hour that we've got to be ready it's now the time is drawing near to realign our focus upon the things of God because above all else we've got to be saved when it boils right down to it nothing else matters but are you saved or are you not praise God I love what I feel right now I love those old songs I like some of the new as well, but I, I've, I've said it before. It's just something about some of those old songs that just that just hit a little different. Praise God. Well, glory. I know we've got a lot out, and that's all right. I know they're having a good time in the Lord over there, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord right here. We're going to turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, starting in verse number 10. I want to give honor to my pastor for allowing me this opportunity to speak to you once again. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate him and his wife and his family. I love them dearly. Leviticus chapter 14, starting in verse number 10. We'll read 10 through 13. It says, on, And on the eighth day he shall take two he lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, and three tenth deals of fine flour for a meat offering, mingled with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall take one he lamb and offer him for a trespass offering and the log of all and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Verse 13 says, And he shall slay the lamb in the place where he shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering, it is most holy. I've been stirred here lately. I love all of these wonderful messages that we've been getting fed. Sunday night, I'm still chewing on that one. But I've kind of felt a need to go back to some of the old things. I, I just feel like the Lord is, is pulling us back to, back to the basics, if you will. I want to preach to you on a title just as simple as this, The Power of the Blood power of the blood if you put your Bibles down let's close our eyes and lift our hands towards heaven God we love you and we thank you Lord we love the sweet presence of, of your spirit that we'd fill in this place tonight God 
Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way tonight, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, God, that you would help us realign and refocus and, and Lord, it to be strictly upon you and not waver to the left or to the right, God, but remember those things, those original things, Lord God, that we were taught. Lord, we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. The power of the blood. I've just been impressed in my heart to the importance and the power of the blood of Jesus. And I feel like the, the Holy Ghost is trying to stir me up and bring me back to the blood, not only in my thinking or in my speaking, but in my living as well. See, this scripture that we read in this text deals with the cleansing of a leper. And our text actually picks up on the eighth day of that cleansing. And to complete the purification of the leper, he had to go to the door of the tabernacle, bring with him three lambs, three-tenth deals of flour mixed with oil, for a meat offering and one log of oil which is about a half a pint of oil the leper would stay outside to gave the tabernacle while the priest was inside presenting the offering that the leper had brought before the Lord we pick up in verse number 14 of Leviticus chapter 14 and it says and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And of the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, upon the blood of the trespass offering. And the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall pour upon the head of him that is to be cleansed, and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. Now what this text is showing us is that the leper was not considered clean until the blood was applied. After the leper was pronounced clean by the application of the blood, then the priest would apply the oil on top of where he placed the blood. The oil was only applied where the blood was present. First it's the blood, then it's the oil. No blood, no salvation. No blood, no justification. No blood, no deliverance. No blood, no sanctification. No blood, no power. No blood, there's no anointing. There'll be no authority. There'll be no peace, 
no joy, no protection without the blood. Exodus 12 and 23 tells us, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And we're all familiar with this. The plagues have been thrown out among Egypt, and they refuse to let the people go until this last one. He tells them to apply that blood to your doorpost. Simple instructions. All you had to do to save your household from that death angel was apply the blood of the lamb to the top of the sides of the doorpost. Simple. Stay in the house and stay under the blood. The only thing that would save them from certain death was the power of the blood of that lamb. Exodus 12 and 13 tells us, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now what I want you to understand, and many of you probably already know this, is the Bible records that there were about 600,000. That's just men. That's not including women and children. Most com commentators will, will say that there's somewhere between 3 and 4 million total. You take that amount of people, you've got young, you've got old, you've got all in between. You've got all stages of life. You've got all walks of life. Stay in the house and stay under the blood. But when it's time to go, let's go. And if you look in Psalms 105, and it goes, I believe, between 25 and down to verse 37, that last verse of 37 says, and it just gives kind of a, a, a recap of all those plagues in Egypt. And that last one says that there was not one feeble among them. Now that word feeble means stumbled. So what that tells us is when the blood was applied, we're protected. Now it's time to go. Well, we've got some of all walks of life, some of all ages and all conditions. And the Lord was more or less telling them that they would have that strength to make the journey that they were about to face. Despite their condition, when they passed under that blood of protection, they could almost feel that strength coming back to them. Matter of fact, it says when that feeble, uh, the word means stumbled, it, it, it more or less literally means that they had strength to their ankles. So when they were weary in their body, didn't think that they could make it, that blood being applied, once they passed through it, they had the strength to make it as far as they needed to go. The Bible says that in Hebrews 9 and 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That God robed himself. He loved us so much that he robed himself in flesh, came to this world to become the ultimate sacrifice. He shed his blood for you and for me. I don't take that lightly. Because without that, I wouldn't have a chance. 
Now Luke often used that word remission in his gospel. Luke 24, 46 through 49, a very familiar text. This goes back to our doctrine. It said unto them, and this is Jesus speaking, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now I know these are all texts that we know and we're familiar with. But I just kind of feel like that we need to get back to some of the old things. The original foundations of our doctrine. Luke was a physician and the medical concept of remission meant then what it means now. Somebody had a disease in their body and they experienced a significant improvement in their condition. They're said to be in remission. It means the disease process is in retreat. See, the blood of Jesus was to wash away all of our sins, and the blood was applied to you and I, which would be that Passover. Fifty days later, there would be Pentecost. There would be no Pentecost without a Passover. There'd be no fire without the blood first. We all know that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came to the upper room and baptized 120 men and women in a supernatural fire. We, we know that. There started out to be 500. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued from power on high. Only 120 lasted. We get to Acts 2, 1 and 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We've got to go to Calvary before we ever go to the upper room. The pathway to power is soaked in blood. If we want to walk in power, we first have to be covered in the blood of the Lamb. I'm talking about that blood, that precious blood of Jesus. And there's something that happens in my spirit when I begin to talk about the blood of Jesus. Something just, just kind of stands up inside of me and I feel my spirit wake up. When I, when I feel that anointing stirring up, when I thank God for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. I know we're all modern today and we've got access to the libraries of this world at our fingertips. We've got the Bible on our tablets and iPads and iPhones and I even think those of you who need a little help with those Androids, I think you can even get a Bible on them too, but you can study the Hebrew and the Greek meaning just with a click on your cell phone. We're in a hear-it-all, see-it-all, and know-it-all generation. But for all our technology and for all our intelligence and know-how, I'm concerned that somewhere along the way we've lost a little something. 
Now, our parents and our grandparents didn't have access to all these modern conveniences and technology that we have today. But they had something that we've lost in our modern high-tech church age. They understood the importance of living under the blood of Jesus. I can remember just even as a child, and it echoes in my mind, and I've even used it throughout my life, but those old folks that do something they call plead the blood. And they plead the blood on everything. The kids, the family, the house, the dogs, the hogs, the garden. They pleaded the blood of Jesus over everything. They might not have completely understood it, but that word is actually a legal term. It was an answer to a judgment. A judge would say, you've been charged with such and such crime, how do you plead? That means the judge was asking, what is your defense to this? And the accused would answer, I plead guilty or not guilty. Well, that legal term carries over into the spirit realm. When the devil comes around saying you've been accused of such and such crime and you've already repented of it and you've put it under the blood, what is your defense? That's when you look the devil square in the eye and you square up your shoulders and say, devil, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Devil, you can't throw up my past in my face. I have put my past under the blood of Jesus. And once it's placed there, it is forever gone. You can't bring it back up to me. I won't have it. I won't put up with it. I won't tolerate it. There's a story in a book that I read quite some time back. I want to read a section out of it. It said, years ago, a man and his wife were in a very serious car accident. When the man came to himself, he realized his wife was bleeding profusely next to him. As people started to rush to the car to see if they could help, he reached over and laid his hand on his wife, who was literally bleeding to death. People who were strangers to God's way walked up and heard him saying, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. He testifies today that Jesus' blood flow stopped his wife's blood flow. The people who gathered around the couple that day didn't understand what was happening. But the angels of God and the Almighty himself certainly understood his language. Their lives were spared because there is healing and delivering power in the blood. That same man served as foreign missions director of the UPCI in the late 60s and 70s. Frequently, his travels took him to Asia and Africa. He noticed that on occasion, the strange demons from a foreign country would follow him home. He said, I have fought them all night long, and there were some strange ones. In the middle of the night, they would wake me up. I would hear my children wake up crying because of a spiritual attack of fear not knowing why they were afraid. They didn't know, but I did. Not that I was a spiritual giant, I just would know exactly what it was. He said he would get up and go through his house from room to room, being careful not to skip one nook or cranny and plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood, I plead the blood, he commanded in the name of Jesus. And by the power of the blood that every evil spirit returned from whence it came. 
the peace of God would always flood the house as the enemy forces had to make their exit. That man was somebody that we knew very well, and I know anybody who knew him loved him, and that was Brother T.F. Tenney. The blood protects, the blood cleanses, the blood is victorious. The events of this first Passover prove that even the death angel has to back up when he sees the power of the blood of the Lamb. And we can have a pretty church and we can have a pretty pulpit and we can have talent and we can have skills. We can have knowledge and position, but without the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus, we have absolutely no power. Without the blood, we are dead. I don't care how big we are, how strong we may be. Without the blood, the body's dead. There's absolutely no such thing as a Christian without the blood at all. John 6, 53 says, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Calvary was bloody. The cross was bloody. Jesus' blood poured out of his body. But we're washed by that blood. We're sanctified by that blood. We're redeemed. We're protected and delivered and healed by that blood. And I know who I'm talking here to here tonight, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm full of some Holy Ghost-filled, blood-bought children of God. I understand that. But I think it'd do us good sometimes to go back to some of those old teachings and those old preachings. If you hadn't repented and had your sins washed away by his blood, been baptized in Jesus' name, and been filled with the Holy Ghost, then you are lost. You are lost, and you will die, and you will not go to heaven. Jesus said it plainly to Nicodemus in John 3 and 5, except a man be born of water and spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God, period. And I believe God is going to hold a whole lot of us responsible that don't tell the truth. That's the most important thing in our lives. It's not a new car, not a new house, what we might do the next weekend, but the most important thing in our life is our soul. I think it's time that we lay aside those garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb because there is a fountain flowing. There is a fountain flowing. But I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why there's so many different churches, and I'm not talking about this one. But there are so many different churches today that are completely lifeless and powerless. It's because they're anemic. They're weak-blooded. They have a blood deficiency. The reason why they have no power is they have no Holy Ghost and they have no blood. There's no blood in their preaching. There's no blood in their singing. No blood in their testimony. Revelations 12 and 11 says, And they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
we want to see the power of God in our church again, we need to start talking about these things. We need to start talking about the blood. And I understand we, we sing some old and new, and I'm, I'm proud for all of it, but we need to sing about the blood. We need to testify about the blood. We need to look for the blood. And just as surely as a death angel passed through Egypt and death came to every house where the blood was not applied, death is passing through the land today. And death is going to come to every house that's not under the blood. It doesn't matter whose house. It doesn't matter how religious that house is. I don't care what kind of house you live in. If you live in a brick house, wood house, trailer house, or if you call it a church house. The only house that's safe is a house that's under the blood. So I ask you tonight, are you covered? I pretty well know that answer. Because I know who I'm preaching to. But we've got to stay under that blood. I know we're all blood bought. But we've got to stay under the blood. We can't get out from underneath that covering. When you get out from underneath that covering, the enemy can have a field day with you then. And when we get under that blood, we will have power. There is no doubt. Because we know that at first it's Passover and then it's Pentecost. It's blood, then power. But in our text, if you'll remember, you put the blood on the right ear, right thumb, and the big toe of the right foot. Then he put the oil on top of every place where he applied the blood, on his right ear, on his right thumb, and on the big toe of his right foot. Every bit of it was applied on top of the blood. And as I began praying about this, and I didn't completely understand this, and I understood that the lepers were unclean, and this was a cleansing process, so they couldn't enter into the tabernacle. That, that was a given. Because they had to stay away, isolated from everybody, but this was a cleansing process that they could go through to be cleansed. And so, as I was reading different commentaries, one said that they would just tip the right ear just inside the curtain, inside the gate, if you would, and they would just dab it on there because he couldn't go all the way in he wasn't cleansed and then they would do the same with his right thumb and his big toe on his right foot and they said that the right side is a sign of strength and I began to think about that and I began to pray about that and, and blood on the right ear why the ear the thumb and the foot and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And this is what he told me. He said the ear was to open his ears up to hear his voice. He said the thumb was for his hands so he could do God's work. And the feet, the big toe on the right foot, was for his feet to walk in his path. So, once that blood is applied, and then that oil is applied on top of that blood, 
We now have ears open to hear his voice. We have hands that are doing his work and feet that are walking in his path. He said, and then he took the rest of the oil and dumped it over the leper's head. We know the head is representative of the whole body. And when the head is anointed, the body is anointed. First is cleansing, then is power. Lord, let us be cleansed. Let us be cleansed because we'll not have any power unless we're first cleansed with that blood. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is nothing but the blood that can cleanse us from our sins. And I think about that old song, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. If the blood can only cleanse what we confess and the blood can only remove what we repent of. It's more than just confessing. It's, for, it's forsaken. Repentance is more than just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is a new way of living. Repentance is an about face. Repentance that doesn't transmit into a changed life is no different than a pig in the waller that thinks to himself, it sure would be nice to be all cleaned up but never makes an effort to get out of the mud. You may change your mind a thousand times, but true repentance has fruit, actions, and the evidence of a changed life. Truth, true repentance is the doorway through which God's grace enters to empower you to quit sinning. prodigal son didn't just think about getting out of the pig pen. He didn't just cha change the way he thought about the pig pen. He picked himself up and set his feet on the road towards his father's house. Holy Ghost doesn't come to us to wallow around with us in the pig pen. And I know Jesus did love us just like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us like we were. This in today's time has got to be the church's finest hour. We ought to be shining more than we've ever shown before right now. Because this dark and, and weary world that we live in and you look all around you and you see evil everywhere you turn and we have definitely got to be the light in this day and in this hour because if we're not the light, what light are they looking towards? And you may be the only church somebody sees initially. There had been no Calvary and there had been no cross and there had been no crucifixion. There would have been no blood, no resurrection, no Pentecost, and no power. I want us to stand tonight. There's no shortcut to this power. Musicians, you can make your way back up here. There's no testimony without a test, no... Victory without a fight, no crown without a cross, and there's no power without the blood. But thanks be to God that that crimson river still flows from Calvary.